Hi, I'm Terrell Turner. One of the hosts of the Stuff Your Accountant Isn't Telling You podcast. And today we have a great guest on because this is one of the leaders of a firm that I've been watching and learning a lot from. And there are a lot of people who are trying to run an accounting firm and they're trying to think through things like scaling, whether things like potential mergers, and they have just no idea what's going on because all of that stuff tends to happen in a black box. So we had on last year, Adam, where he talked about what was going on with Summit CPA prior to the merger. Now I want to get some views on, hey, what's been happening since? So stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to the podcast where we tell small business owners how to use the secrets and strategies that big businesses use to increase their profitability. So without further ado, let me bring on Jody. Welcome to the show, Jody. Yeah, thanks, Terrell, for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we jump into the details of kind of, you know, what's been happening with the merger, can you mm -hmm. share a little bit about your background and just kind of your history with Summit CPA? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, basically founded Summit CPA back in 2002 as a traditional CPA firm and then realized pretty quickly that's not what I wanted to do um, for the rest of my life. And so around 2004, we uh, created a service line called Virtual CFO Services, which is kind of like CAS 2.0 right now is what the, what, what the AICPA is kind of labeling that type of a level of service where we're built, really kind of jumping in, helping out with the strategy, KPIs, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then trying to develop that through, um, you know, through you know, over the years when it wasn't even no one knew what it was, was kind of a difficult thing. So marketing was a huge, huge thing for us at that point, trying to just get the word out. And then um, it wasn't until about 2011 ish when we started actually niching not only with the CFO service line, but also uh, going into a vertical, which we picked the creative agency space at that point. Um, did we really start seeing sales ramp up and where we were onboarding you know, like 11 clients in a month, seven in a month, you know, just consistently going there. And at the same time, we were working through other things like we were deciding at that point to go fully remote. So we uh, went fully remote at the same time, you know, all you know, we're scaling hard. So there's a lot of things flying in the air as we're trying to juggle everything and fly that airplane, um, you know, and basically creating it as we're as we're getting on the runway type of a thing. And. Um, you know, from about 2010 through uh, we merged in, in, last year with uh, Andrew CPA and advisors, we grew about, I'd say we doubled our size about every three years. So we had a, at least a 30, 35% growth rate year over year, um, just based on scaling, you know, scaling the virtual CFO practice. A hundred percent of it was CFO practice. And, and uh, with that, we added CAS 1.0 to it. So we had some back office accounting stuff to it. And that's about a third of what we offer with our clients. But for the most part, it, it was a CFO, CFO site. So scaling was a big thing. We had to create those processes and tools and all that kind of stuff. And then when we when we joined uh, Anders in 2000, and, well, actually 2022, um, it, it was one of those things that it just had to be a perfect fit. And we found out that it was, which was nice because you never you just never know. And, and uh, so so from there, you know, now we're, now we're going from a completely um, virtual CFO firm to a traditional model where we've got tax and audit and all the different services that a larger accounting firm offers, but we are the virtual CFO arm. So we're the independent unit of Anders and providing CFO services for clients and, and growth is continuing on, you know, it's working out really well and uh, we're pretty, uh, pretty happy at the move. So kind of a full circle, you know, started bootstrapped it, ended up selling it or merging, whatever you want to call it. 
And uh, now we got the, you know, basically our venture too. You know, the Andrew said that, hey, can, you know, we, you know, like we, we tell, we tell our folks, we grew it to about $10 million in CFO services. And they're like, you know, hey, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Right. And, and we're like, yeah, we're going to be 20 million in three years. And we're super excited about it. And, and then they said, well, can you be 50 million in four years? I'm like, <laughs> well, 50 million. <laughs> Didn't you just hear me? I just said 20 million. <laughs> and they're like, I'm like, okay. and, then, and then when you think about it, it's like, yeah, we could be 50 million if we had the right, right partner and they were willing to help in the growth. And, and I thought, you know, Hey, this could be a win-win for both of us. And that's why, uh, that's why eventually we eventually made the move because we knew that uh, partnering with Anders, we could be bigger and better, more profitable and everything and help more clients than what we could being, you know, Summit CPA group all by itself. And so uh, on Anders side, again, win-win for them as well. You know, now they're offering a, a service line that they, you know, they were offering before, but not to the, ex, you know, the scale that we were offering it. And uh, they could, you know, be a leader in that industry. And so uh, definitely a win-win. Awesome. I love it. You know, you know, there's so many things in there that, that I, I want to dive into a little bit more. I think the first one was where you talked about, like, you know, starting off as a traditional kind of CPA firm. Mm -hmm. Because I think this is something that a lot of business owners face where it's like where they start off as approaching it from the traditional way that their business usually shows up in the market. Mm -hmm. And then deciding like, you know what, uh, that's really not how we want to do it. So was that like an emotional process or kind of how did you guys or was it, hey, we you looked at the numbers or how did you guys kind of come to that conclusion? that Hey, the traditional approach isn't our. Yeah, argument? well, it's kind of kind of funny because I always like to push the limits on things. And and uh, the idea that when I when I when I when I decided to be this entrepreneur and start my own firm, it wasn't because I was just just brilliant person and wanted to do it. What happened was is that I tried, I tried the public accounting world, and I worked for two large accounting public accounting firms. And man, I hated it. It was like a rat race. I mean, you know, I was like, geez, I did not want to go through that. And it was like, you know, because I literally got sick before busy season every, you know, because it was like I, I, my the anxiety got to me about now I got work eighty hours a week the next you know so many hours and it was just not not for me and i thought no way i can raise a family like this and so then i thought well the corporate world is the perfect way to go so i'm going to take and go to the corporate world work for a 250 million dollar manufacturing company thought this is great for about a year and a half it was awesome and then it got super boring it was like it was <laughs> groundhog day over and over again you know it's like oh my gosh now i, I don't like either one what am i going to do you know and it's like and then i got this opportunity to, to run an office for a small firm and and I, I started doing that, you know, you know what, I, I'm just not cut out for this, you know, having bosses and stuff like that. I think I need to be this entrepreneur, take this entrepreneur step. And uh, so that's when we, that's when I jumped ship and said, you know what, let's start Summit CPA Group. Let's do it differently. I don't want to do it like the public accounting firms. And I want to, you know, I want to kind of mirror both the corporate model and the public accounting model and see if it works. And, and uh, you know, with that, of course, you start off, you're taking tax return clients. You think, how can we do this so that there's no busy season? And it's like, well, let's work with them all, all, all year round. And so we thought, well, let's meet with them monthly. And so we kind of broke it down a little bit. And then we're like, you know what? These clients like this. Let's let's quit talking about this historical stuff that typically is what accountants always talk about. Let's talk about how that really impacts them, you know, what, what how it makes a difference. And you know, because all these big companies have all the finance people, but the small companies can't afford them, right? And so we thought, hey, let's take that and let's, let's, let's journey into it. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Clients love it. They're meeting with us monthly. They they love it. They, you know, they come to the meetings. It's really, we, we, I feel like we're making a difference, right? And, and then I realized, man, I can't do this 
and be an invoice clients. I've got to figure out a flat, a fee structure. And I, we created this flat fee value based, you know, fee structure back in, you know, 2004, you know, because we didn't want to build, do this hourly bill stuff, which was different again than what accounting firms did. And uh, it, it became a subscription based model. And clients were like, you know what, we love this service, but can you meet with you more often? We need you more often. It's like, yeah, we can do that. And so now we had to come up with a system and a process. You know, what are we going to do on, on these more often meetings, which end up being weekly meetings? And so we were meeting with all these clients on a weekly basis and clients loved it. They attended every meeting. You know, we had a purpose for the meeting and it worked out well. And I thought, you know what, why are we billing clients monthly? Let's let's zap their account every week. And so I thought, perfect. And so we started, you know, zapping clients counts every week. And so it was a weekly weekly subscription-based model where they could quit anytime they wanted. They weren't obligated to stay. And we provided, you know, at the CFO level, the unlimited type service. Uh, we could add a la carte stuff if we want to do the back-end office accounting stuff like the bookkeeping and stuff like that because we could still do that for them. And about a third of our clients, we still do that. But it was kind of nice and just kind of ramped up to where, you know, we, we, we were just doing things differently, you know, kind of thinking outside the box, which was the big part about it. You know, it's like just because people have done this all the time doesn't mean it that has to be the way it's done. And, and I still hear that in a lot of different you know professions. Oh, they'll never do that. And it's like, well, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> if they don't do it, they won't do it. You know, that's, a, and then that's what my partner, even, you know, Adam even said, he goes, Oh, clients will never pay you up front. I'm like, why not? We'll just have them sign this and, and they'll pay it. And it's like, wow, they all did. It's like, they even loved it because now they didn't have to worry about sending us a, a payment or, or especially mm -hmm. if they're in a cash flow situation, that was like, it was never like, Oh, hold on to our payment before, you know, we do that. And then we get ourselves in trouble because we're, we're you know, we're way behind on the, a, on the, on the billings. And then the client feels real weird about it and starts stops coming to the meetings when they really need to have, need to be at those meetings, you know? So it took that completely out of the picture. And, and the subscription-based billing was, was a definitely a godsend for us as we're going through because, you know, we built it to a $10 million firm before we merged and we had no AR. We actually had negative AR because we, collected all of our money on Mondays before we even did the nice. work, you know, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, and, and so it was, it was a really nice, really nice thing, but it was, it was again, just kind of pushing the limits. Right. And it was, you know, mm -hmm. just because it's done that way before doesn't mean it's gotta be done that way going forward. And uh, that's yeah. always yeah. been kind of my, my look, you know, how can we do it better? You know, AI is mm -hmm. going to come out and, and make it better for us, you know, even more, which I'm super excited <laughs> about. And uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's like, Hey, just kind of push the limits and, and figuring out what, uh, you know, what, what's going to work now and what's going to work going forward. Nice. Nice. Now you talked about, you know, having like that entrepreneurial spirit and mm -hmm. just that interest of like, Hey, how do we, you know, how do we, we change things? How do we do it different? Let's test out, you know, we don't need to go through years of analysis. Let's just try it. Now, right. a lot of times when you merge with a larger company. That's usually not the mentality of the right. larger company. So right. <laughs> I want to talk about how that's played out now with the merger, because I mean, it is like this, you know, this marriage of philosophies mm -hmm. and mentalities. Yeah. So mm -hmm. how is that kind of played out, you know, post the merger? Yeah, it, it's tough, right? Because, you know, the way that we pay our people is different. You know, we pay our people a, a base salary, which is equal to what people would normally get. And we, we give them an incentive uh, incentive comp every single month based on things going above and beyond. And, and so it's a, it's a different type of pay structure. Uh, they can make a lot more. They can make a lot less if they want to work less. You know, so it's, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's a really cool structure because it gives the people the autonomy to make decisions. 
you know, hey, do I want to pick up that extra client? You know, and if I do, you know, here's my reward for it. You know, so there's a lot of cool stuff about that. You know, if I do, I if for for folks that you know maybe want to go on maternity leave, can I scale back my situation without losing my job? You know, absolutely. And then when they come back, you know, hey, let's add it back. And then so there's not a, an HR issue going back and forth and stuff. And so we we give we we give this variable comp you know structure you know as as a huge part of what we do because it allows us to really scale. That's typical, not, not typical in any CPA firm, most companies itself. And so that that alone is a really hard sell because they're so used to doing it one way. And then we come in here, we're doing it completely different. Um, so it, it, it's one of those things that it's, you know, you, you've got to really kind of work with the other side and kind of work with what's best. You know, tracking hours, you know, we track hours only to um, we don't bill by the hour, but we track hours so that we can see how, you know, where we're, where, how profitable we are per client, where we're falling down in different areas, how to price things. There's a lot of different things there, whereas they track hours, you know, because they're billing clients a lot. And so, you know, with that, you know, we may have, you know, our, our team might be working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, whatever it is for that week, but they may do it in four, within four days. And they're like, you know, hey, let's take the weekend off. Whereas with them, it's like, no, you got to be here five days a week you know, and clock your time in, clock your time out. So there's different policies that you have to kind of put in place to, to make sure that both sides work well. Because when you're bringing in a fully remote team and you have a brick and mortar team, you know, the, it, it, there's, there's, you know, there's different rules for that. There's got to be different rules. It can't all be the same, same way. And, you know, with marketing, we do things a lot different with marketing where we're, we're content marketing, we're blasting clients or blasting prospects all the time with all this content marketing, really similar to what you do with, with all the videos and stuff you put out there, which is awesome. You know, we've been doing that for, geez, since 2004. And so it's really easy to find us. And so we don't, we don't ever go out and try to pick clients up. Clients come to us. And that's kind of the beauty of the way that the content marketing works, the thought leadership works. And I'm sure you're experiencing the exact same thing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's different than what a traditional CPA firm is doing where, where they are actually out there at the country clubs, you know, and the partners are bringing in these clients, right? Because they're they're doing the, all the mixing and mingling. Our CFOs don't do that, you know, at all. We don't want them to do that. You know, we want them to do their job. We don't want them to do something that's uncomfortable for ninety percent of the people in the United States. We want them to do their job and do their job well. Let the marketing engine bring that in. So, completely different philosophy, right? And so, you've got to marry all of these different areas and be really careful. Not to say that, hey, the way that we do it's perfect and the way that you do it's not perfect. You know, our way is the better way. You can't go on that idea or, or, or it's not going to work because you're going to keep butting heads, right? And so you, it's got to be kind of a meeting of the minds and you've got to work with each other and, and kind of explain why this works and why we do it that way. Not just because we do it that way, but why we do it that way and then why we need to continue doing it that way. And, and so you know, there's a lot of different variables there. And and the one of the biggest things that when we merged was a, one of the big criteria that I had is that, hey, we have to work. Virtual CFO service group has to work as a separate unit. It can't be just kind of molded in and, and kind of dispersed within the group. You know, we have our own little tax department within it that only works with the virtual CFO clients. You know, we have a marketing team that focuses on it. You know, we have our technology and everything. So, you know, we, you know that had to be a requirement. Hey, this has to be a unit that works together. We'll create this forecasted budget there. And then if we go outside of that, then we'll we'll reach out to you and say, hey, knock on, you know, hey, can we can we go ahead and add this to it? And so it becomes more of a corporate environment type of thing with budgets and so forth than what it was when we were doing it ourselves. And a great opportunity came up and say, hey, let's pivot and let's go this direction. Can't really do that now. Um, unless it's in our budget, unless we 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 can we can show that hey, it's gonna 
be a good good positive for this uh, for the department. So it's it's a little different experience, um, you know, and, and it's something that I'm just gonna have to get used to. Yeah, I've been doing it for now a year, you know, from the merger and. And I still have all my hair, well, kind of all my hair left. <laughs> so, so I would say it's working out really well so far. But again, it's, it's just something that you, you can't go in thinking that your way is the best way and their way is not, and 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 not, you're not going to bend. You've got to really kind of compromise and and really listen. But both sides have got to do that. You know, if, if it's just one or the other, you know, that merger is probably not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good point because you know I, I I hear a lot of people that. When they think about a, a, a merger, they think in terms of, I'm just trying to exit because once I sell, like they're, they're, I, my identity in this whole process no longer mm-hmm. exists. So they're just trying to get out. So it, it's good to hear that. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about, because mm-hmm. you talked about, you know, before the merger, you know, you guys were talking about going from 10 to 20 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they came along and said, well, can you do 50? Which means mm-hmm. like, the capacity you guys were planning for is mm-hmm. very different from the capacity yeah. that you need to hit 50. So yep. Yep. how have you guys been kind of adjusting like, you know, your speed of implementation, just the mm-hmm. capacity to go from, like said, you know, pretty much going, adding 30, yeah. 30 million to the goal you already had. Oh, I know. I know. Tell me about it. Um, which the cool thing is that we're tracking it right now. We're on track of doing that. We've almost, we're almost going to hit, 14 to 15 million this year from 10. So we're definitely tracking that way. So that's the positive part about it. But yeah, we, we had to actually break down and, and, and really go through. We have a, a director retreat every year and we take our directors, we, we take them away with their families and a really nice place. And we spend about four days really going over in detail how we're going to accomplish this next year. You know, what went right last year? What went wrong? You know, what are we going to change and, and, and so forth? Well, well, the purpose of last year's director retreat was a little different. You know, it was like, hey, here's the now we're in the merger. Here's our goal. How are we going to get there? And so we broke it out exactly. You know, we broke it out year by year what we have to do in every year and how to and how we're going to actually generate that people wise. What we have to do. You know, so we broke everything out from people to processes to you know, hey, what, what what's the magic sauce going to be? And so you know, whereas we were focused primarily on one industry, which was about sixty percent of our client base. We thought, hey, let's let's add some more verticals in there. Let's train up the verticals. Let's create a, you know, real estate vertical, health vertical, a cannabis vertical. You know, let's create all these different verticals that we can actually accelerate in and do well in, and really kind of help us repeat what we've already done. So that was that was kind of the idea, and then get thought leaders in there and figure out how we can get those thought leaders to, you know, in each of these different verticals to really kind of be that be that person, be that person driving it, give them the autonomy, give them the independence, let them be the entrepreneur that they want to be and really kind of build that within, within the company with, you know, kind of a safety net, which is kind of nice. Entrepreneurs typically don't have safety nets, which is, um, you know, which is kind of nice not to have that. And so we, we, we thought, Hey, let's, let's figure out how we can do this. So once we got the roadmap put together, then it's just simply executing on it. And, uh, you know, you know, with that, it's uh, it's always fun. Right. Execution is super fun once you have actually have the details. And, and, and that's basically what we do for clients. Right. We're forecasting, you know, we're we're actually breaking down the non financials indicators and, and we're, we're making those look like numbers. You know, you know, you know, what can you control? What can't you control? And, and when, when you can break it down in detail and really get that road, road, road plan out there, that that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen perfectly the way you want it to. Um, but you know what? In four years, if we're at 40 million, 
I would say that's pretty successful. I'm going to high five myself. We didn't hit the 50 million, but and if we get 60 million, my gosh, I'm I'm definitely high fiving myself. And and so you know the, the the idea is putting it out there, having a goal, and driving to it. We tell our clients to do it, do this all the time, and we always build that three year roadmap for the client. And here we here we are we're ourselves doing the exact same thing, building that four to five year roadmap, and, and, and trying to figure out exactly what it is. We got to have the plans in place, otherwise you're just going to continue on a, on a flat scale and you, you, you without really without a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a really good point because it's one thing I was laughing with someone. I was like, you know. A lot of the advice that most accounting firms usually give their clients, they don't end up using themselves. So I asked, I was like, I asked a group of accountants, like, how often you guys review your financial statements? <laughs> most of them said, uh, well, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, we review, we, we look at our financials as soon as they're available. I mean, so, so, you know, within 10 days of the end of the month, we're looking at our financials. We have a forecasting meeting every single month. We're going through. Here's all the new hires we're bringing on. Here's you know here's here's when we here's when we need that new hire, and here's the new hires that we have in our, our pool. When can we bring those folks on? You know, can we bring it on early? If we do bring it on early, how's that going to impact our bottom line? And is it going to stay within what we told Anders that we were going to accomplish? You know, because that's important. We we can't we can't just be reckless and run loose and do our own thing and not have anybody to report to. So it's important that hey, we told them. Based on our plan, here's what we're going to do bottom line. Here's what we're going to do top line. And if it varies, then we need to explain to them why did it vary. And that's a that's a nice step for us anyways because we should be doing that ourselves, right? It, you know, not, not just accepting it. We need to be, be, be you know, held, held responsible to somebody else, which, again, we're held responsible to us. So, again, it's a constant thing where we're actually looking at that every single month and, and trying to figure out, how that really impacts our, our long-term goals. You know, so I know right now, based on where we're at, you know, instead of 50 million, we're tracking about 52 million. So we're a little ahead of schedule right now uh, based on that, uh, that long-term goal, which is kind of funny that you can look that far out and say, Hey, we're on schedule hitting that. But if you haven't really broken down with all those non-financials, like I talked about number of people, number of clients, you know, when we're picking those clients up pace, you know, all, all the different things that belong into that, forecast outside of just simply I'm, we're going to increase our sales by 50 percent. nobody knows how to do that <laughs> you know you have, to, you have to break it down to those non-financials right and so by having that it really kind of helps it out and we, we evaluate that every single month nice i love it i love it so you know for yourself you mentioned about the content um that you guys are putting out um mm-hmm. i want to talk a little bit about that like where yeah. can people find the content like when they're looking you know at the content you put out like what should mm-hmm. they be expecting what type of stuff are they going to get yeah, so we're a super open book. Uh, so really, there's nothing out there that we're not afraid to let people know about, whether it's details about the merger, whether it's how to how to create a forecast, how to do things. You know, the, the way that I look at things as a thought leader, I look at things that if I can actually explain and, and tell people and, and show people how to do something without them ever hiring me, to me, that's a win. That, that's a huge win. That's a, that's like a, that's more of a compliment really than anything else. And I've had folks do that where. I've, you know, talked to them and, and, you know, maybe talked to them throughout the years. They never hired me. And then they come in and then they take me out for dinner and say, yeah, you're the best thing that ever happened. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. To me, I, I, I dig that much better than I would, you know, them being a client and telling me that. Um, although, you know, we do have client, obviously clients telling us that all the time. But with, with all the content marketing we put out there, you know, it's everything from YouTube videos. We have we have we do about three different podcasts, you know, each in different areas. And so it's all over YouTube and, and you can you can definitely see all that content out there. 
Um, we've got all kinds of white pages out there. I've written a couple books about, you know, different areas, a lot of little booklets. Like I even wrote a booklet on the, on the, uh, on the merger, you know, and, and gave it out at the uh, AICPA, the DCPA event uh, last uh, November, you know, and it was really well received, you know, it really detailed 50 page booklet here. Here's what happened. And uh, you would never see that with any other accounting firm. They would, they would never even think about doing that. And, and the, the, the nice thing about that is it kind of, put the put the you know the game plan out for anybody else that's even thinking about it you know hey here's what happened with us here's the thoughts that we went and on both sides not just my side but but also Andrew's side so it gave a, a dual perspective which was pretty cool and, and so i think you they'll they can find us anywhere all you have to do is just google i mean it's you know we'll, we'll pop up all over the place um, if you Google Summit, Google Virtual CFO, Google really anything, Anders, you know, whatever, uh, you're going to find a lot of material out there uh, on YouTube. You'll find a lot of material on the web. Uh, you'll find you'll, you'll find it everywhere. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So can you tell people for the ones that are listening? I know the ones mm-hmm. that are viewing can see the website, but can you, for the people who will listen to this, what's the website that they should be looking for? Yeah, go, go to summitcpa.net, uh, S-U-M-M-I-T, cpa.net. I didn't uh, didn't want to pay for the .com, so I went to .net, so uh, we stuck with that one there. And, um, you know, f- you know, feel free to reach out, um, you know, with an email if you have any questions, jody at summitcpa.net, J-O-D-Y at summitcpa.net. I'd be happy to schedule a time just to sit and chat about whatever, you know, conversation you want to have from, you know, what works, what didn't work. Um, you know, I'd be happy to do that. I do that all the time. Um, or, or, you know, just, you know, look at all the videos. We put a lot of stuff out there, a lot of content out there for you to, uh, to look at and hopefully, hopefully help somebody in their, in their journey. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up one final question, I I love to ask, I think is Mm -hmm. because you, you do CFO services and as I actually working with, you know, people that are trying to make business decisions and not just doing accounting in the background. So, Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to that process, are there any, I guess, you know, pieces of advice you would give to, you know, business leaders that are trying to hire a CFO of like, how do they find a good one? How do they find a good one? That's a great question. Um, they definitely need to, to vet them out. Um, there's a lot of folks out there that are trying to provide it right now. It, which is great, um, but you need to make sure that what you're what you're what you're asking for is what they're going what they're doing. You know what I mean by that is you know a lot of folks are you know the, the virtual CFO name, fractional CFO name, all that kind of stuff means different you know, is, has different meanings for different people, and, and so you want to make sure that when, when you're looking at it, you know if you're looking at somebody that wants to do the accounting only, you know they, they may call themselves a C, virtual CFO, or they may call themselves a fractional. CFO, or they make there, there may be another name, outsource CFO, whatever, but maybe they're just doing the accounting function, or or you have may, may have the folks that are you know, they're doing the exact same thing, but maybe they're coming in and coming out. Maybe they're, they, and what I mean by that is they're solving an issue and then you know six months later they're gone uh, as a, kind of an intermediate type of uh, CFO. So you want to kind of fit, you know, feel the feel the people out, make sure that they're the right fit for you and what you want them to actually do for you. Do you want them to do forecasting? KPIs, all that kind of good stuff. Have they done that before? Do they have other clients in, in maybe your industry that's done that before? You know, so there's a lot of different questions to ask. And the, uh, the web is a, a great tool for all of that, just by Googling all the different areas. And, and you know, you, you can definitely take a look at and vet those folks out. But uh, but the key the key is knowing exactly what you want going into it and then making sure that the, the, uh, the folks on the other side are doing exactly that. 
Awesome. I love it. Love it. Well, Jody, thank you for coming on. Thanks for being a great guest. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, Daryl, thank you.